Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome back to the Hulkcast and yes it does feel amazing to finally be back. As Cole mentioned at the start of last episode I would like to profusely apologise for the lack of content on the channel recently especially from a personal perspective with guests crashing their car 10 minutes before recording to trains being cancelled left right and centre. Anyways now we are back I don't want to keep you longer than necessary as we look towards Arsenal away in midweek and to preview that one with me I'm joined by Josh from Burkamp Wonderland. How are you Josh? Yeah very well thank you. How's things going with you? Yeah not not too great on the Villa front but (laughs) we'll we'll move on from that. Uh, Let's talk more deeply about Arsenal obviously. You're an Arsenal fan yourself. It's looking good right now isn't it? You're sat top of the tree 12 points out of 12 having maintained a 100% record so far, beating Crystal Palace, Leicester, Bournemouth and Fulham. What have you learned from Arsenal out of these first four games? Uh, I think what we've seen is, and I'm sure everybody has been watching the All or Nothing documentary as well, uh, that kind of good feeling, despite how it ends, because obviously we all went through that anyway with towards the end of the season. There was still that uh everything we needed to kind of buy into what Arteta and the wider club was doing has all kind of culminated across this summer, being rejuvenated with uh, Gabriel Jesus coming in. And I think everybody's seen that he's made more than just an effect uh, with the goals that he's brought, but the whole team looks so much more cohesive now that there is a striker willing to run, uh, not only to collect the ball, but do that run off it as well, which is something that had been missing for I would say a good while. Um, But yeah, it's been absolutely amazing in terms of the start we've had. I think what's been most surprising is how everybody else has kind of not started out of the gate as quickly as we have. Uh, You kind of would have expected Liverpool to have been up at the top of the tree with us and the same with City as well. Uh, It's That's the thing that's a little bit strange is we've managed to pull what seems to be quite a nice cushion already over the traditional rivals um, only four games into the season. Yeah. I mean, it's really, you in, it's really interesting that you mentioned the all or nothing documentary, because I am actually going to touch on that a little bit more in depth uh, slightly later on in the episode, but I want to look at the four games that you have played so far, obviously beating Palace, Leicester, Bournemouth and Fulham. The one thing I noticed from a outsider point of view is that Arsenal were asked different questions in each game and they managed to overcome that in all of them. Obviously, Fulham, you won late in that one. Palace starting off the season, you really showed a statement of intent there. And then Leicester and Bournemouth, obviously, free scoring, you scored four against Leicester, three against Bournemouth, all different types of wins. Does that show a different side to Arsenal that maybe people haven't seen in recent years? Yeah, it's that kind of dynamic, uh, free-flowing football that you haven't really seen since, well, probably two years before the end of the Wenger reign. 
Um, that's been the huge thing for us is getting that style of football back into play. And of course, bringing that experience of what we've done this summer as we brought in still young players relative, um, but have got a lot of minutes under their belt. So uh, in terms of, I've already mentioned Jesus, but the other, I think, coup of the window, um, if Jesus doesn't come down as Simon or the Simon, is Zinchenko, another player who you saw how much we missed him at the weekend uh he's picked up a knee injury how much that will play into it i don't know part of me was a bit um skeptical it was a bit of a knee injury that we didn't necessarily you know was he just missing because we're giving him a rest and it's a chance for kieran tierney to uh really get some minutes under his belt that he hasn't for the rest of the season so it's it's really exciting to see that we've got lots of different ways of opening teams up. And I think it just shows how much we were hampered last season with an undynamic um, striker. And I think as well, Martinelli, what he's doing on that left wing, he looks a completely different animal. Um, And yeah, it's made, and I'm sure we'll touch on it potentially is how quiet Saka has relatively seemed this season compared to uh, how key he was. I don't want to throw you under the bus here, but do you know any more details about that Zinchenko injury? Because not just for us Villa fans, but a lot of listeners that I know listen to the podcast are avid FPL players. Me especially, I have him in my fantasy team and I want to know whether it's worth subbing him out this week. Oh, I would say I would probably sub him out, but only because I think in terms of what he'd give you bringing coming forward, it's probably going to be, you know, he's going to give you probably three, four points. He's not going to, I don't necessarily see us keeping a clean sheet. Um, having said that, I've not seen all of Villa's games this season to say how impotent you are up front right now. Um, but generally, there's always that kind of um, glass half full. Do you reckon he's he's fit then to play? I think he'll be available for the weekend's game, uh, which will be right. United off the top of my head. Um, and that's the that's the fixture I think that I was really looking at and thinking, right, Villa, you guys aren't doing that well at the moment. Gerard's under fire. Something. Yeah, thanks for rubbing quite... it in. Yeah, sorry. Um, I mean, we'll probably go into or you've probably mentioned other managerial candidates, and there's a team um, very close to my heart on the south coast whose uh, manager I think uh, you've been kind of giving a little bit of a wink to. Uh, in Graham Potter but yeah I I think right now it's interesting uh, to see what's going on with Gerrard and he's got he's got to really bring that squad together and it's kind of it's one of those typical games in terms of an Arsenal fan that you know all right so Villa not doing well this season it's going to be the game that they get up for and it's the game that will cause us problems. Yeah, I was going to touch on Gerard a bit later, but we'll we'll move to him now, now that we're on the topic. Um, obviously, it's not going too well at the moment. A lot of reports have come out recently, obviously, after our loss to West Ham, about a lack of unison within the squad and how he's struggling to be able to find his best formation, find what tactically works for him and get the best out of the players that he does have. Um, obviously, you know, any manager is going to be under a lot of pressure, but things at Villa Park don't seem too great at the moment in terms of the squad unison. Like I said, you know, we had Dean Smith as a manager previous to that, where we had a Villa fan as captain, a Villa fan as manager, and everything seemed to be going right. 
Whereas now everything seems to be going wrong off the pitch and it seems to almost be spiraling to the point of no return. So, you know, we've got Arsenal and City in our next two games. We mentioned on the podcast previously that they're probably going to be write-offs in terms of results. However, it will be so, so crucial to see a better performance from Villa if Gerard wants to be able to keep his job moving forward. Um, now, I like I see a lot of similarity between Gerard and Arteta. Obviously not at the moment because, you know, they're completely worlds apart. But I remember Arteta having an awful start to the season last year and being under massive scrutiny and the Arsenal fan base being very divided on whether he was the man to to lead you forward. Obviously, you know, hindsight's an amazing thing and you'd sit there and say now I think he's done an amazing job probably and you know he is the man to take us forward how were you at the time when it was struggling and how how do you think he can keep improving Arsenal because obviously you've brought in a lot of players this window so if he doesn't get it right then he could be under a lot of pressure how do you make sure that he he stays on top with this Arsenal squad I think the big thing from last season was looking at the ownership as well um, to go in a very kind of insular way of my NFL team is the LA Rams. Uh, to be fair, it has been since about 2006. So this isn't a new, you know, they won the Super Bowl and now I'm an LA Rams fan. This is right back in their St. Louis days, uh, or St. Louis days. There's a lot of, um, I had a lot of trust in what was happening in terms of at the time with those three losses, we heard that, COVID was rife through the team. So it was picked up a little bit on the documentary as well, exactly what was going on behind the scenes and that there was a toxic dressing room. And I think a lot of Arsenal fans knew about that anyway, knew under Emery that that was a toxic dressing room. Uh, There were players who were on big wages who didn't necessarily want to be there anymore. And it sounds similarly at Villa, you've got something similar in terms of there's players on big wages that either they're quite happy to be there, but the manager doesn't want them to be there. And it's that difficult balance of how you deal with those players. And so you look at the outgoings at Arsenal and there's not many that have picked up transfer fees. It is a case of we're going to get the wage bill sorted. And you know what we the big thing that the Cronkies always talk about, especially Josh Cronkie, was although he wasn't knowledgeable within um, football, he played a lot of sport growing up and had done a lot of work at the Denver Nuggets and also the Avalanche. And there's another team that he was dealing with as well. And the big key thing he had was the dressing room's got to be right. And then he will prioritise that over and above the name that's in there. So you saw that with Aubameyang, that they would happily sanction that, um, albeit they wanted to reintegrate him. But if the dressing room's not right, get them out because the team will, over, will generally be better because of it. And I think that was the big thing for us, was just seeing that they're very decisive in what they want to do. And yeah, obviously results then picked up. The big thing with Arsenal last season is we were very streaky in our losses. Once we lost one, that was it. We we're almost guaranteed to lose the next game and then probably lose that third one as well. Um, yeah, if you go back through the season, you'll see that we lost our games in batches. It wasn't just a a wild single loss and then back to a winning or drawing streak. Uh, it was very patchy. Uh, and that's one of the things that I'd want to see um, 
from this season is how they're reacting to losing. Obviously, there were some difficult situations this season so far with the Fulham game, especially the weekend. I think last season, that game probably ends up a draw, probably not a win. Um, that's the big change that's happened within that dressing room. I think it's all there. And if Arteta can't make it work, I'm happy enough that there is a squad there that any manager in world football would be happy to pick up that squad and can do something with it. Uh, And that's the big thing now is that we went from squads where under Arsene Wenger, it was all very diminutive playmakers. And we brought in a manager who wants to take all the creativity out of the midfield and play wingbacks. And then Arteta comes in and he wants to do exactly the same as what Wenger wants to do really is creativity through the centre of the park. And we've finally got back to that identity. And I think if we, the next manager post Arteta will be in a similar vein, will be another young manager, hungry, and also with that similar kind of philosophy for football. You mentioned that squad there. Obviously, Arsenal's average age is 24, one of the youngest in the league. And Arteta is also one of the youngest managers in the league. How does he manage that to get the best out of his players, not only on the pitch, but mentality-wise? I think it's all about that hunger level. I think adding that additional experience from uh, this summer, say we go to the two boys from Man City, that's added an extra dimension. These are players that have won something. And I think what also really helped him was that FA Cup win. Um, They're coming straight in. And despite what was happening off the field or even in the league, he proved that under under his stewardship, doesn't matter how bad we think the squad is in terms of how messy it was, he could win a trophy. And despite... And if I can't be on another podcast and not slur Spurs at some point, but that's the kind of thing that I was happy with. I'm fine with finishing eighth. We picked up an FA Cup. This is the 14th FA Cup, most um, yeah, the most successful team in that competition. And during other teams' great periods, they end up without trophies, and that's the thing that we always want to strive for. And I think this season, the big goal is a club of Arsenal size without being too big headed we don't have a great European record for a club that should have a European heritage you know talking to the converted here of Villa fans you've got a great heritage and history of European success Arsenal don't really have that for a club when you think of their size and that's where I think Europa League is going to be huge this season not necessarily because of the fact it comes with the uh, Champions League qualification but to be honest we need to be filling up that European side of the trophy cabinet because it's it's been since the early 90s since we've had not even a it's not you know one of the big three European trophies um, yeah yeah and I think I think one thing that will help you with that is your incomings you mentioned there the two boys from cities Zinchenko and Jesus Obviously, you brought in Vieira as well, who we probably haven't seen as much of. And now I've got down here in my notes Saliba. Obviously, he's not an incoming, but it feels like he is. The impact in which he's had on the squad and the way he's almost stamped his authority this season. What do you think of your incoming so far? How have they settled into the squad and how can they help you build forward? Yeah, I think the three names... um 
that have come straight into the first team and that we've seen already, you can see how quickly they've settled. Jesus looks like he's been playing in an Arsenal colours for three or four seasons. Again, Zinchenko brings that extra dimension, does exactly what Arteta wants in terms of that inverted fullback sitting into the midfield, partnering Thomas Partey and Ben White, who is now currently occupying the right-back spot. Uh, yeah, Saliba coming in in that kind of sweeper role, he he looks like the time that we've given him away was exactly what we need. We have seen there's still mistakes in his game, but um, we currently could talk about Wesley Fofana looking to move. Um, he was his centre-back partner at St Etienne and they both got sold in the same summer. Um, and you can see the kind of differences that they've had in their trajectory. Um, Saliba has played the most minutes of any uh, central defender in his age bracket by a long, long way. And it's that kind of experience. He was playing Champions League football last season with Marseille. Those are the huge things that you can see. He's got that maturity now. Um, he was a lot, lot rawer, a lot more raw than he is now. But I think there's still progression to come with him. And yeah, he looks like a fantastic signing and he is slowly bringing his personality into the squad. The one player that I'm not necessarily worried about right now, but is Vieira. We signed him. He ended up getting a bit of a bad uh, injury. So it's only just coming back into contention. Uh, it's a shame when you get your business done early and you get a player in for pre-season for them then to basically miss pre-season. Uh, so we're all itching to see what he can bring because there's still an Amanar, especially within the fan base of... What's his role going to be? And what does that mean for rotation, for Saka, for Odegaard? We've got Smith Rowe as well. What what happens with that kind of dynamic? Because we're not really sure. Because, you say, do we expect more incomings right now? We kind of want another winger. But actually, we've got Vieira. And some of us, I don't know how hard, from a fan base point of view, we want to push that line of, well, we must get a winger in. Yeah, I mean, Villa fans will feel your pain when you say that about injuries. Obviously, bringing in Diego Carlos at centre-back to partner Tyrone Mings. And then in our first home game of the season, he gets an injury which probably puts him out for the rest of the season. So, yeah, I mean, heartbreaking stuff, injuries in football, especially with a new signing. Um, Now, the last question I've got on Arsenal as a whole is... A bit of a different one. Obviously, you've mentioned the All or Nothing documentary. It's not something you see every day, but it's it's slowly coming into football more as we know it. I mean, I'm so, so jealous. I would have loved something to do with Villa, especially over the recent years when we were in the championship. Jack Grealish coming back, appointing Dean Smith, getting promoted, then obviously staying up just by the skin of our teeth the year after just being able to have a look at those behind the scenes from your football club must feel amazing. Did you learn anything new about Arsenal from watching it? Oh, that's a great question. A couple of things that there was always some small pointers that you go, okay, cool. We do this or we do that. Or there was some sneaky, um, not Easter eggs, but it almost felt like that, that if you looked over Edu's shoulder uh you could see even last season Saliba was down as cover for centre-back so they knew that or we then knew that he was actually in the long-term vision long-term plans I think the great thing was seeing the um the dynamic not only of the squad but of that coaching staff 
I think that's what really, as a football fan, you kind of want to see. Um, so we've been uh, very vocal as a fan base against how quiet the ownership have been, um, particularly under their stewardship of pre-full ownership. I think that's one of the difficult things is they were majority shareholder for over a decade but really didn't start ramping up in terms of investment or, well, investment in all senses of the word, in terms of money and time. We didn't really see any of that. Now that they come full owners, you could see that things were happening. But again, with processes and projects, it's very difficult to go and try and sell that to somebody when football is such a short-term um, kind of outlook on things. Is when they're saying, you know, be excited for five years time. And we're like, well, that's five seasons away. That's a long time in football. Um, so that was really interesting to see what they're doing and how Arteta interacts with everyone in terms of the changing room uh, or dressing room. It was interesting to see some of the speeches. I think the other thing just to caveat that with is obviously we're seeing maybe five minutes of a 15 minute half time. So we know we're not seeing everything on that front. And some of the small you know, kind of um, David Brentisms almost that he'd was, um, the light bulb speech was one that he's depending on which side of the fence you were anyway, on what you thought of Arteta. It was how you reacted to that. Either you thought it was innovative, innovative and amazing, or otherwise it was a bit like David Brent. Um, again, interesting to see how he's looking at trying to motivate the players and the other bit is yeah behind the scenes you get to see a lot of players that maybe you didn't necessarily warm to as much and then you get to see them behind the scenes and actually you start warming to these players a lot lot more uh, I don't think anybody uh, loved Saka any more than they could but I think seeing him go back through the Euros as well remember that Obviously, that was coming back into preseason and seeing how the club dealt with that. That was huge in terms of going, that's great. They really supported him. And it's good to see that, albeit we've seen some of some players that we've loved and cherished, maybe not um, get the nicest treatment when it comes to um, them leaving. You know that the club is looking after players. Um, so whatever happened to Meza Ozil, whatever happened to Abami, and you know that she, when there is something going on, the club is there to support these young players. Yeah, I complete, completely agree with you 100%. And I think there is a rumour that Manchester United are the next club to fall onto, onto Amazon's watch list. So, I mean, that would be a really interesting one, especially with the sort of circus that surrounds United in recent times. Um, now, the last last question I've got on you before Arsenal, before we regrettably move over to Villa, is, um, and I ask this to everyone, is your hopes and your expectations for this season as a whole, do you probably expect a little less, but your heart's telling you you can get more? What, what are you hoping from this season? Uh, I think hope would be something close to a title challenge. Uh, I think at least second place is up for grabs. Um, there's still the... Manchester City shadow in there and Erling Haaland obviously we've started to see him get going I don't think we can stop them but I think there's certainly an opportunity where Liverpool lie uh, to aim for second Chelsea don't look the same right now um, Spurs obviously historic rivals again Conte loves a league um, that's where I think they will be strong um, and then the other thing that 
I hope is that European success. Um, so expecting us to challenge getting to at least the final of the Europa League and um, with any hope winning it as well. And that's kind of drops into expectations. Expectations is a top four challenge and also expecting to challenge for the Europa League. Uh, we've basically built, when you look at all the incomings in the squad, there is more or less a squad capable of winning the Europa League um, in terms of a B team. That squad should easily get us through the group stages and then post-World Cup, it's then into you know, the knockout rounds and that's where I'd expect Arsenal to really be rotating and uh, seeing us progress in that cup. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewellery. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewellery of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, I mean, times look on the up for Arsenal at the moment. Now, let's move over to Villa, where times are probably the complete opposite to on the up at the moment. Um, I've put on, I've put off talking about it for, for probably too long now. Um, Villa currently lie in 15th, three points out of 12, beating Everton in our first home game of the season. We obviously lost to Bournemouth on the opening day at the Vitality. I was there for that one and that wasn't pretty viewing. Then obviously losing to Palace after beating Everton and most recently losing 1-0 to West Ham at home. Villa look a mess right now um, from our perspective. To be honest, we've had four different centre-back partnerships in four games. Now, admittedly, some of that is due to injury and illness. Um, Steven Gerrard doesn't look to be getting it right at the moment and he doesn't look anywhere near to having the answer to getting it right, which is probably what Villa fans are most frustrated about is the lack of identity and the lack of almost vision that we have on the pitch. One thing I noticed about Arteta during the run in which he struggled last season is although you weren't picking up results, you could see the vision in which he wanted to take Arsenal. Whereas with Villa at the moment, it doesn't seem that way. Rumours have come out recently of Leon Bailey wanting to leave, Tyrone Mings wanting to leave and with just three days of the transfer window remaining. You know, that leaves Villa in peril as it is if they were to move on. Gerard, Gerard is a very strong character and one who knows what he wants and who will stand his ground. Um, however, if that could come at the expense of some players and could, you know, perhaps cause unrest and division in the changing room, which is, you know, the complete opposite to the effect that he'll be wanting to have. From a neutral or from an outsider's point of view, what's your thoughts on Villa and Gerard this season? Yeah, from outside, it looks 
similarly as the mess you kind of describe um you know, a couple of after the you know the loss at Bournemouth uh and then uh, even after the Everton win, I think it might have been Palace when you were then linked to uh, Ishmael Assar. And then that move obviously subsequently collapsed. Just didn't seem like that was the direction that needed to be going in. So you, uh, you beat us to Emi uh, Buendia as your record signing. And uh, as you mentioned, Bailey as well. Uh, Ollie Watkins, Danny Ings. You've, it sounds like there's already a forward line there and it seemed a very odd mood to be pushing. It, to me, it screamed of, we're buying this player so none of our rivals can. And it didn't actually factor into how are we going to integrate this player. Um, and that's where I kind of got the confusion. Obviously, you had the captaincy switch as well uh, to John McGinn. For me, um, so as to note to your listeners, I'm actually a season ticket holder at uh, Brighton. Uh, so I live locally to there. So I still don't understand how Tyrone Mings gets in the England squad to, compared to Webster or Dunk. Um, so for me, that kind of um, what's happening with Tyrone Mings, I could kind of see it happening in terms of is he as the centre-back to kick you on to the next level? Maybe not. But it seems odd to then push that line but not have that clean break. And there's something that you'd see also where it's getting a bit more decisive now about, okay, Aubameyang isn't our starting striker anymore. Next transfer window is gone. And it's that kind of ruthlessness that I think seems to almost be missing. And whether or not that's because Gerard is such a big character that when he ums and ahs, everybody else ends up umming and ahring. And he is still a young manager, fundamentally. He's... Uh, yeah, the success he had at Rangers was huge in terms of bringing that club back to where uh, they wanted to be and winning the league with them. But it does seem like he's starting to question everything. I think when he was at Rangers, it was very easy. It was, um, you know, you're at a sleeping giant of a club within the league that you've got the financial resources to get back to where you can fairly easily and you can utilize your connections at Liverpool I don't think that's been something that he's done as well at Villa as he did at Rangers was utilizing who he knew at um yeah utilizing who he knew at Liverpool and getting players in from there and maybe that's because the players that you'd wanted to get are those kind of squad players and they do they really want to go to Villa are they at that stage in their career where they want to be mid-table or are they happy to sit on the bench and pick up probably one or two winners' medals a season? Um, see, going to Rangers is a very different prospect of what you're doing there. You know you're going to be challenging for major honours despite the quality of the league not necessarily being there, but you are going to get a chance at European football as well. You can see from last season at Rangers how far you can go in a competition at that stage as well. Um, so it is interesting to see what's happening from the outside. And um, there's always going to be, I think, the shadow of Mauricio Pochettino, obviously wanting to come back to England. Where is he going to sit personally? My uh, one pound bet is on Newcastle for him to end up there at some point. But whilst he's still available, there's going to be clubs in that kind of group who have seen a, a guy who has successfully built a team up from the stage that you're at at the moment and got them to 
Champions League and with the right backing as well. And it's whether or not the owners are um, as decisive and can help Gerard in that way. But there does seem to be some point someone above Gerard almost needs to say no and just go with the direction that they know is best. Uh, I'm unsure of that kind of dynamic. I'm sure you can enlighten me on it. Now, I, I think you summed up the Ismail Assar situation better than most Villa fans could, to be honest. That was just a baffling situation with the club. But the thing that stuck out for me most there was you're an Arsenal fan, but you're a Brighton season ticket holder. How, do, mm. how does that work? What is so, Brighton play Arsenal? Uh, yeah, so I, I grew up watching Arsenal. Uh, I moved to Brighton when I was 10 or so, and my uncle would take me to the games as 10 year old and back then Brighton were league one league two so did I ever think in the wildest dreams where they were without a stadium there were nomads playing at an old athletic center uh, outside my college would they be playing Arsenal in a brand new stadium D- didn't even felt that didn't even get into my thoughts that they'd ever be playing in the same league and I will put it this way when Brighton score against Arsenal I'm annoyed that Arsenal conceded and when Arsenal score against Brighton, I'm happy that Arsenal scored. So so do you sit in the Brighton end when Brighton play Arsenal? Uh, I have done because it's just easier because I've already got my season ticket. But I do always try to get into the away end. But it's such a difficult... Because um, you've got to be so high in the away scheme at Arsenal to get to Brighton. And everybody in the away scheme is like, well, yeah, if they're based in London, you know how close that is. It's... It's always a very difficult game to get into unless you just wait for scraps. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's but, it's the exact yeah. same with Villa. Yeah. That's uh, so confusing to me. Do you sing yeah. at Brighton? Uh, I do. Um, it's, it is a little bit weird in terms of now that it's in the same league and weirdly both top of the table or at least up there uh, with both having that great season. But because it's happened so um, gradually, so as soon as, because I was there on the pitch when Brighton got promoted to the league, uh, got to the Premier League, it was just very surreal at that point. You're going, okay, now I'm going to start getting all these questions of how do you deal with this? And I go, well, one's the club I've supported for my entire life. The other one is the my local side. And it's just imagine that, yeah, your local team ends up in the same, um, yeah, the same division. Uh, and it's so rare that I think that that kind of happens. It's kind of in a unique position almost. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I love it. I uh, It's just something that completely caught me off guard there. I had yeah. no idea. Um, so we're, we're probably close to wrapping up this episode. I've just got two more questions for you. And one is your score prediction for the game. Yeah, so I was to say, I've probably alluded to already that I think Arsenal will concede. Uh, but we're at home. Uh, we've looked really strong. The atmosphere has been incredible at the Emirates. Um, a few of my, actually quite a few of my podcasting colleagues were up at the game at the weekend. Obviously, I couldn't make it because I was at the uh, Brighton-Leeds game instead. Uh, but it's a f- I'm expecting Arsenal to score, um, especially with the chop-and-change defensive um situation that's going on there I'm assuming it'll be Callum Chambers at centre-back it'll be at that kind of level Um, and we always like to get one over Emi Martinez because especially with his interviews since he left um, it's always nice to get one over him Uh, so I'm expecting something like 3-1 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not confident as a Villa fan right now, and I'm probably the most confident out of the group at times. Uh, but yeah, I'd probably go for three nil or two nil. I mean, normally I'd say it couldn't get worse than when we played you last year because that was probably our worst performance of the season. But with our recent form, you know, Villa Villa never fails to impress or or disappoint in that manner. Now, the last question I've got for you is a bit of a different one. Um, again, it's asked to everyone that comes on the podcast. So normally what I do is I ask someone a non-related football question and then they will ask someone, I'll put them on the spot to think of a question to ask forward for next week. However, we haven't had a preview show for for many different reasons now for two weeks. So um, I put it out to our, our listeners on Twitter to come up with a question and Tro Vegas villain was the best one that I could see. Um, obviously on short notice, that is T R O Vegas villain. He, he asked the question, what is your favorite ice cream flavor? Oh, um, well, it's going to be difficult because I'm dairy intolerant. So <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, uh, but it's fine because there's plenty of vegan ice cream in Brighton. Uh, but I would go with pistachio. Pistachio. Yeah. Great answer. And if you could answer a question or if you could ask a question for next week, if it makes any difference, it will be a Man City fan for the weekend. Okay. Um, well, it can't be related to man. Manchester, can't be man related City. to football. Can't be related to football. And I did live outside Manchester for a, a good couple of years. Um, I think it would be what's the best curry on Curry Mile? Great. I love how most of the questions we have are, are food related. I find that yeah. fascinating. But um, anyway, thank you for joining me. And on that note, I think it's time to draw this one to a close. Here's to hoping from a Villa perspective that they can emulate a surprise result at the Emirates to really finally kickstart our season. Once again, thank you to Josh from Burkamp Wonderland for joining me on this one. The guests are what make these previews possible. And without them, I wouldn't be able to produce this content. So as always, I am really grateful. If you want to find him on Twitter, it will be at Josh the Human 23. And if you don't follow us on Twitter already, then what the hell are you doing? Rush over there now. We are 7500 to halt on Twitter. That is 7500 to halt on Twitter. And while you're over there, if you wouldn't mind dropping me a follow at Sebastian Bacon 8. I'll be more than happy to follow you back and interact all things AVFC. Thank you for listening and we'll be joined soon for the Man City preview and obviously reacting to the Arsenal game. Let's hope that after recent weeks, that's a bit more lighthearted and positive. Anyway, thanks for joining me and up the villa. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.